In the great mystery of life, there is a concept, time. One might attempt to understand time, express through the moments of one's lifetime, address through the cycles of the year time, the chapters of one's lifetime. And yet very few human beings are comfortable, content in both the still point of eternity and time and the movement of time as life. We hesitate between them. What will happen in that next moment? We try to stop the next moment until we have control or understanding or some prescient sense. What will happen? I would like this autumn retreat of 2022 to be an exploration in contemplation of time. Time is a concept with which I'm very comfortable, having lived as a spiritual child, really, of so many wise beings upon the earth in this lifetime of almost seven decades. I find it's very difficult to explain the understanding so many of these great souls had of time in a very humble, natural human resonance of their daily life, their daily bread, their daily alignment with the stars, their daily prayers and practices, really attempting to simply live every moment virtuously, turning to the past to give them reference and sentiment and directional virtue so that the present moment, the present breath through the cells of their body as life was turned to eternity every given moment of the future, which they might be privileged to call the moments and minutes and hours and days and years of their lives. And so I would like us to speak to this so that there is not fear but contemplation regarding time. I spoke recently of an article I had found, a contemporary article <clears throat> written by an American woman journalist about another woman, American woman writer. And the concept, which is known to many scientists and probably many school children, that when the dinosaurs became extinct, as the Earth underwent a certain transition, movement through space and time, which became transformation, the dinosaurs simply were gone. Where did they go? From where had they come? And when? And then exactly when did they leave and why? And I find that we become so frightened what will happen to us now. And we are attempting to rein in a kind of control so that we don't go away, that we remain eternal here in this moment based on our past and what we long for or try to protect against regarding the future. And that fear and that control and our power and greed are rendering us not quite authentic in our directional movement in time. 
upon this space, which is our beloved Mother Earth, or Kaia. So the article spoke to the concept that when the dinosaurs went away, from them the birds arose. They were not here before that transformation. So I would like us to utilize the bird as a songbird, as a sound, the singing of birds in the early morning as we enter this particular season, and to utilize that construct, uh, it's called skillful means in certain forms of Himalayan thought, pantheistic and Buddhist and Hindu-based <clears throat> thought in the Himalayan region. One turns to the idea of skillful means. So let us use the construct, the mental aggregate, the concept of birds, which cause us to think, oh, this favorite bird or that bird is so noisy, or oh, those birds I love in the spring or I hardly ever see or wish I could see one. Whatever our concepts are about birds, they become a kind of construct to which we can give direction so that our alignment with the Creator, with the Divine, with God, with Heaven, with whatever we call God or with the universe, or a principle of the void, empty and fulfilled, allows our hearts to open and resonate with space. Oh, here, within my heart of hearts, beside you, beside all of humankind, everywhere upon this earth, from within my own incarnate body, humble and dignified, I offer my inner voice, both my questions and my receptivity to the attempted answers which forge my path, which form my path. So that just as bird song, bird flight, bird nest, I enter this next moment with the beauty and the tender innocence and the vulnerability and the power of grace moving through the bird so that I face the dawn of this era with that aggregate, that mental construct, rather than my own ego, my own fear or self-importance, I face more the bird entering flight. There's a beautiful song I have loved for a very long time, half a century, which was written by a young English woman, Sandy Dennis, who's no longer alive. And she uh, wrote it when she was, I'm sorry, Sandy Denny, D-E-N-N-Y. She wrote it herself as a person exploring poetry and songwriting. And then was the person singing this in several different groups of which she was a part before leaving us very early at the age of 31 from terrible issues with alcohol and great internal conflict. But she left us with this beautiful song, actually a number of songs and great inspiration to the people who knew her. And the song begins, Across the evening sky, all the birds are leaving. carries on. It's incredibly beautiful. And the title of the song is 
Who knows where the time goes? It's inspired remarkable artists, Nina Simone, Judy Collins. It's been sung on the Grand Old Opry. Who knows where the time goes? Across the evening sky, all the birds are leaving. If we are leaving an era, just as the dinosaurs left long ago, we don't really know what this means for each of us as individual human beings or for the generation currently upon the earth or the young generations here or in utero or coming. And for decades, I've had questions from people seeking, shall I have children at such a desolate time? I should have children. Maybe they'll know what to do. I shouldn't have children. There are already too many on the earth. I should have at least one. We're trying to answer a question of the longevity of the earth, the survival of the rainforest, the existence of the polar bear and the whale, and of the song of songs, of your own bird song as a soul within God, within the universe. And it's very existentially confusing for people to try to find an answer back that is individual and intimate with other people one knows, with other circumstances of life one knows, and universal for all human beings for all of existence on this earth and throughout the universe. And so why I want us to be with this is I find that it is not frightening for me to walk through this era. But all around me is the dissonance of a cancel culture and hatred embodied drone weapons, arguments among political leaders, attacks, Hatred. Isn't it funny? This is what I think. Pseudo-sophistication, as if possessing extravagantly expensive shoes were more important than the feet of the people beside you on the subway, on the roadway, on the biking trail, the hiking trail. And so we've learned to turn a channel on of compassion And then become very hard-edged in late Stephen Levine's concept. He watched a lot of the hardness that was coming into the youth uh, that he and Andrea, his widow, spoke of in a number of seminars they taught in the 1980s and 90s. They were aware there was this hardness coming in. That hardness is nothing beside the bird song, which mystically is moving through my soul at every moment. That bird song is undisturbed by the turmoil of the human tantrum, wanting the earth to go on forever and wanting the projections of one's own important shoes to go on until a wardrobe is built of the entire planet and only belongs to oneself. How foolish. So we are tending to compete over who gets more and when and how. When really the question is not 
ever going to be answered by us fully. The question is really the intimate relationship we have with the divine as beloved, father, mother, great one, that oneness, ecstasy, the discipline of virtue, the heart of hearts, the song of songs. It's really the only conversation worth paying attention to. And then who is the bird beside you taking flight into that grace? Alighting from the nest of their home or room or homeless state in the park or by the riverbed or under the overpass or their mansion or their room. And then we start paying attention to a quality of realization, of revelation, that something is revealed to us which rises up through the heart and out into the cells of one's incarnation, just as all of a sudden a bird takes flight, a bird lifts her throat toward the sky and sings the first note of the morning song. This is the era we're entering. What is the destiny for which the human being was created? It's wondrous. It's very modest. It has great beauty in the richness possible when one pays attention to the alignment of virtue so that all the dimensions within oneself remain in that moderate capacity. This way, one is aligned in this attitude, this posture. From that posture, that alignment within the divine, within the sacred, one realizes through revelation, something is revealed, oh, this is what I am to do. This is what one is to do in the next moment. And there is a vulnerability. One is open and responding to the divine, to the absolute, to source. And a natural gesture comes forward, which is eternal and yet temporal. Eternal and yet part of this moment of one's own human life and is expressed as living realization enlightening oneself and everyone and everything around one. The light is so clear or transparent when any human being embodies this, that the still point of eternity is in the heart chakra and the inner voice throughout the soul, moving through oneself as if one were present in heaven on earth. One is completely upon one's path. There's no weapon. One is a living example of the human being. It is time, always, for this. And then the divine answers one back through the elements, the plants, the animals, other human beings. And it becomes a civilization composed of families or groups or couples 
but first through the willing individuals embodying this principle. And the divine conceals at its will the qualities. So another person might think, what did she just do? How did he know how to do that? And it's actually the relationship embodied of the divine and you, or you and God as one, yet you as a child of God. That mysterious breath moving through you as Holy Spirit. This quality of the divine. And it's very still and yet completely alive. And what we do is we tend to react against it. To hesitate just enough to control the next moment to go with us or to be a victim. I can't do it. I, I, can't, I can't do it. Don't you know my history? Don't you know what he did? Don't you know who she is and what, what she's like? And so I'm going to use a concept from several poets so that we address this through being willing to go out into life and allow ourselves living poetry within our days through the retreat. And we let come forward our voice, our the resonance of our own capacity. And we explore asking for protection and guidance so that we learn to represent this quality of who the human being is as we go from this era we have been within uh, called the Anthropocene into the next era and we walk forward without fear and we express ourselves beyond an extinction which is going on around us. Yet we include the extinction which is going on around us. And we see how shall we be with what is being born, what is being sustained, along with that which is falling away, as did the dinosaurs as have our ancestors, as have the moments of the earlier parts of our lives. Yet they've left us with a quality of remembering and allowing discernment and dedication to the wisdom and love we have accrued through all of those experiences. I would like you to consider listening to one of the versions or renditions of the song by Sandy Denny. Who knows where the time goes? If you have access wherever you live in the world to a computer or any kind of system where you can play it, you can bring it up on YouTube and, and play without any financial charge on someone's phone or computer or laptop, iPad, any kind of tablet. And let yourself listen from the beginning to the end at the stillness within it. And the quality, it's, it's a classical folk song written by someone who deeply admired the historic folk songs and uh, bagpipe tunes of Scotland and uh, particularly the northern areas of England and, and Ireland. And the song has a mood 
very similar to this. It was actually voted by people in the BBC as the most beloved folk song of all time. Interesting. Somehow the way it has moved us. And if you find a rendition that you like, just allow yourself to listen enough that you have the feeling of the mood of the lyrics or the melody within your heart. Each person has a way in which he or she would sing this or play the notes on a guitar or a piano so that a quality of their own soul is then imbued standing together with the lyrics and melody written by the songwriter. What do we call that relationship? So if you would let yourself listen to it and just find your own relationship with the song, then you're not only listening to me, I'm not only speaking to you, we are also listening to the song of the birds who caused the artist to write the lyrics in the 1960s, caused Judy Collins to decide, I'm going to sing this song and record it, caused her then-boyfriend, Stephen Stills, to accompany her on the guitar, caused her to turn to this song as one of her sources of strength when her son committed suicide, her only child many years ago, she could turn to the lyric across the evening sky, all the birds are leaving, and find her voice again and sit at her piano and play and sing. High in a building in New York City, in Manhattan. All across the earth, every evening, when the time turns toward the sun moving low in the sky. Across that evening sky, all the birds are leaving. Where are they going? A person who is an ornithologist or loves birds might say, oh, the robins come at this time of the year. In the Finger Lakes, where I grew up in western New York State, one or two robins would come in the early spring. And I remember one year, running in and saying to my mother, Mom, there's a robin. It was one of the surest signs that winter had begun to turn towards spring. Crocuses would be out, snowdrops, grape hyacinths, these are beautiful small flowers, peeking through the snow, or just as the snow had fallen away and the winter grass was there, sort of brown and green, seeing the earth come forward after a long winter. Mom, there's a robin. My father coming home from work. Dad, there was a robin today. A pair of them. And then I've, as I've spoken in another class, living in Texas these last two decades, in the springtime, I remember turning the first winter I was here and there must have been 200 robins. I'd see 10 and think, oh my word, I've never seen this in my life. And then more and more and more. I opened the back door out into the garden and yard. Then I went out the front door. They were everywhere. For 
a girl who had learned to be astonished that all the birds were leaving. Here come the robins, springtime. One robin, a pair of robins, many robins, several hundred robins. And then away, where did they go? Migrating north. Where are they going now as the climate transforms upon the earth further north? to slightly different terrains where the echoes of God call to them. There is enough water here. This tree is high enough for your nest. And where that is not adequate, a robin does not live through the spring. A polar bear is not able to feed her young or swim to the next iceberg. A human being is not able to prevail in believing he or she dominates this earth. And we have in a side of ourselves this great question, where are we going? What will happen to that one who does not live through the changes of the desertification of her area, of the falling away of an area at the seashore, where his home is gone, or he has not lived through the hurricane. What happened? The stomping of one's foot into a tantrum of insistence on power and greed is an inadequate answer to the era. It does not bring revelation. It does not bring contentment. It does not bring a future. It would be the denial of reality, and an attempt to hold on to an immature identity as a human being. And yet, it's very powerful on the earth right now, this attitude, this atmosphere. So please be within your own heart and soul and be aware I am at peace my soul, my heart, my life are aligned in my prayer and practice to the best of my ability on this path, at this moment. In every moment, I am privileged to live as a human being. Across the evening sky, all the birds are leaving. I will be present with where they are going, how they are created and born and sustained and resolved back into the Creator. I will be present with that bird song within my own being. What does this feel like? And I'll add a principle I've represented many times from the Maharishi Mahesh a wonderful Hindu sage who created the form known as Transcendental Meditation and imparted teachings across most of the world. He's been very influential in education, bringing meditation and contemplation to several billion people really around the planet Earth. He would state that the best time to awaken was very early in the morning, 
just before the birds awakened. So that in his first breath and contemplation of that moment, that next minute and hour and season of the day, the dawn, he was beside the birds as time was revealed to them the mood of that day. Oh, time. Ah. Ah, the time of this day. And he would impart to different beings mantram, sacred sounds from his Hindu tradition, which were not long phrases to particular concepts of the divine, but were the primordial sounds which form the body of prayer. And this is true in all religions all over the world. It's always uh, an ignorant sense of how we're arguing over God and then arguing over nations and uh, differences in our structure of eye color and language and ethnicity because we can't find a translation point. When all of our religions and all of our languages begin with sounds, ah, om, ma. And so the mantram given by the Maharishi were generally the root sound that takes one back to a primordial sense of how the beginning of a name for the divine feminine would begin to come forth in his tradition or a divine masculine turn toward beginning to name the divine. And a person would turn to their mantra for their entire life and sit maybe morning and evening for a certain period of time, let's say 20 minutes in the morning and 20 in the evening, or 10 and 10. I know people who have studied these mantram faithfully for decades, and find that when they sit and turn to that bird song within how the Maharishi began his mornings, they can find their way to where the birds are going, to where the birds are leaving as the morning sky sends them out into the day, to where the birds are leaving when the evening sky settles into darkness. They are leaving out into the day, they are leaving coming back from the day to a little island in a tree where egrets come and pose every night near my home. The great blue heron that comes to our family cottage and walks the beach and stands on the dock fishing. She might come in the morning or midday. She might then leave to go back to the nest where she's left her young earlier that day. She's never really leaving God, however, nor should you. And what happens is the center and upper part of our heart chakra, our spiritual center, tends to think, I can't yet, not yet. We tend to hold a control that we're afraid if we let go and we let eternity be right now. We let eternity be this moment and every moment of time, we are somehow afraid that there is not a safe place for us 
as a human being, as a woman, a man, a person, a child, an elder. It's because we begin to encounter the mystery and we can't find ourselves solely based on the last moment. And we can't ascertain yet what everyone else is going to do. So strangely, rather than doing what God would do, we do something slightly off balance. This is what I'll do. What are you going to do? And then we, we miss the moment of the realization. And we've used up so much of the earth now, we are out of time. Out of time. Gaia is out of time for the human being. She's not out of time. But she's out of time for our tantrum. So it is time for us to encounter her more as if we were birds. How shall we live in this season upon her? What do we receive? How do we ethically represent this and practice caretaking it? How do we enter the next moment? Every minute, every hour, every day. This is not a difficult practice. And it gives one a concept of being more like a bird rather than all the ideas people argue about that one's tie is wonderful or not. Why are you wearing a tie? It's so old-fashioned. I can't believe you didn't wear a tie to the meeting. See, no matter what a person does, there's this cancel culture of criticism and or getting kind of high. I just want to go have a good time. Oh my God, it's so dire out there. I can't stand it. And in any of those postures, we're not really completely present because we don't want to be, because we're afraid of what we're causing and a parental discipline that may be coming from on high or down low in the volcanoes or the oceans. Every coral reef is calling out to us. Please, humanity, awaken. Please, humankind, now. So I find that this concept of the bird across the evening sky all the birds are leaving. Who knows where the time goes? Let us be with a mystery so that the beauty of the life that is offered us is practiced every precious moment that is a privilege of our human life. From our first breath to this breath to our last breath.